Welcome to Nothing's Perfect, I'm Jordan. And I'm Ryan. And we are here to recognize flaws in the things our world has created and eradicate them. That's right, we know that sometimes finding perfection is like looking for a diamond in the rough. However, we figure, why are we bringing jewelry to a golf course? Yeah, come on, like, what the fuck? What are you, why? Yeah, like, you think I mean, it's gonna... I, I get, I get you, you're, like, really rich, you really know yourself, you want to flaunt it by going to golf courses and wearing this jewelry, but come on, it could get you lost think, in yeah, the water. Yeah, it's, it's, listen, Jimmy, it's not gonna get you that golden club in the display case. No, that, that was for Babe Ruth. It's not for you. Um, Ryan, I know that, uh, when I first pitched this show to you, uh, you told me, Jordan, I like this show idea, but so help me God, if you bring guests on, I'm I'm leaving. I I know you said that the one yeah. condition that you wanted to to make this show happen was that there would be no guests. Of course, because um, I mean, as you know, I'm incredibly egotistical. Um, every morning I wake up to a mirror on my ceiling so I can look at my beautiful face. Um, and if everything isn't about me and only me, with the occasional exception of you, then I just can't function. Right, so right. So I am going to have to leave if you're bringing in some, like, little little well, trivial No, no Ryan, you, you don't have to worry about that. I, I plan 100% to uh, comply to this ideal. Um, with that being said, uh, we do have some guests on the show today. Uh, I would like to introduce... Hey, I'm going to be right back. <laughs> let, me, uh, let, me, let me just be right back. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we do have we have some very special guests on the show today. Uh, these are some some friends of, of Ryan and I's. So introducing very special guests, Dalton Brobeck and Lucia Lobosvia. Hi. Uh, hey, I, I want to point out that the reason really rich people wear jewelry and golf courses is actually was an old tradition started to sacrifice the fattest and most useless people in a society uh, by placing them <laughs> out on a golf course with a bunch of shiny stuff on to summon the eagles because see the shininess would attract them out on an open right. field and they would feast upon them and bring good fortunes and a great harvest to the hardworking people. Unfortunately, eagles... Turn type. people into horses now. Well, yeah, so they don't yeah, do that yeah. anymore. So, of course, that is why it's, that was the yeah. original reason. But now, now that's, we just get rich assholes wearing jewelry. That's really interesting. You know, we always like to think of this show as as like you know critical thinking and uh, and and very uh, very very deep and in, in serious and constructive thought. But now it's getting a little bit educational, and I appreciate you bringing that vibe into our into our podcast. Well, thank you for of having course. us. I mean, we are world class anthropologists when we feel <laughs> of course, like it. Of course. <laughs> All right, I'm back. Hi, welcome back. Would you guys like to talk uh, for a little bit about like uh, who you are, what what you guys have been doing recently? What have you been up to? What's going on? Uh, well, we real time fandom is probably where some of your people, your audience members, know us right. from. Yeah, right. Um, we uh we have a YouTube channel currently called Knights of Bardicry where we do a lot of work on, but we also have a brand new YouTube channel where. We do analysis like we're doing here, very serious, respectable Bear, analysis yeah. of of specifically animation. Animation and media, so that includes like video games and stuff. Uh, but by serious, of course, you mean you'll have to watch it because it's actually just insanity. Um, <laughs> so that's a new channel. Our, our first video is going to be going up within the week, so that's going to be pretty exciting. Awesome, and, awesome. Um, it's called Analysis. Yeah, and actually, you know, if someone wants to be in the video, I sure would love if someone would post a comment on the channel asking 
for us to do Hani no Senshi, like review Hani no Senshi. <laughs> Just don't care if you misspell it. Like if you put a comment for that, I will put you in the video. Yeah, as as, as long as you can tell that that's what they meant to say. Then yeah, <laughs> then, like, like you can good. spell it. You can if you put you can like spell it with a Q if you can somehow make it work. Make it work <laughs> if it looks like Hani no Senshi, then like yeah. With it just and then just say the Q is silent. Easy yeah, you can. Silent. I mean, you can you can fit a Q in there. You can fit a Q in there. I can fit a Q in there. Um, H- no, but yeah, that's, that's that's super cool. I'm I'm really excited uh, to see it. Uh, and you said it, it should be up like within the week. Yep. Yep. Oh, awesome. All right. So yeah, totally, guys. Go check that out. Um, Do it. So with that, uh, we actually today we uh, have had Dalton and Lucia bring in their own very special, very important to them topic uh, that they would like to discuss and perfect with us. Uh, so if you want to go ahead and start talking about that, then uh, just just go right get right into it. So our topic is about something that does need improvement, and that's parenting. Okay. (laughs) Because many of us probably grew up with Hmm. father figures on TV, right, Dalton? Oh, absolutely. Because, or parental figures in general. And so uh, topics we really wanted to talk about were the two parental figures that really helped us grow up and shaped our moral compass and ideas of the world, which is, we are what we are, Dragon Ball Z and Batman. Thank God. <laughs> so you mean like are we are we perfecting these together or are we doing one at a time? Well, we're we're gonna examine them as family units. Because right, right. each one has a strong, strong family core in them, which is sometimes acknowledged and sometimes completely eradicated okay. according to what is going on. I, I will preface I will preface whatever discussion we have with the fact that I have not seen Dragon Ball Z, <laughs> but I know I know enough about Batman to to get yeah. through this. So don't worry, I'm enough of a weeb that I'll be able to make enough Dragon Ball Z jokes. <laughs> How about them Kamehamehas? Oh, I mean that's really a- the show. How yeah. about them Kamehamehas? What about them uh, Shoryukens? That's right. That was in Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> hey Jordan, remember Ryan, that one that was time in Dragon in- Ball? <laughs> my bad, my bad. <laughs> Hey, Jordan, remember that one time in Dragon Ball Z when Naruto just uh, used his Bankai against uh, Kirito? Yeah, that was Dragon dope. Ball GT. Are you even a fan, Ryan? D- okay, but okay, You're... but okay. I, I will and that say, was Boruto. I, I know, I haven't, oh, bad, I know I haven't seen Dragon Ball Z, but I have seen Dragon Ball Super. And remember when the Colossal Titan like broke through the wall and like everyone was like freaking out? That was crazy. Well, I mean, yeah, of course. That was like the emotional peak of the series. God, I feel bad even comparing Attack on Titan to that because Attack on Titan is like a well-written show. And after having read the manga and where it goes, it's like a real political commentary about how humanity's true enemy is always humanity. If we could just stop all killing each other, maybe things would be okay. And that the real monster are just us all along but you know dragon ball z is good too <laughs> <laughs> all right all right dalton i i think you should start like what is your opinion of the main father figure in dragon ball z well uh he's terrible yeah um i think if we watch the show and we think of goku as a parent i'm well i mean in a way for me it's 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 shitty right off the bat because he's a little bit of a deadbeat you know, I haven't yes. seen Goku that he's much. He's a lot of bit of a deadbeat. You know, it's kind of funny because I really loved Goku when I was a kid. Like, he's who I aspired to be. Right. You know, minus the grotesque muscles that look inhuman. But, like, <laughs> as a person where he was, like, innocent and detached, but he loved people and he always fought for what was right, even if it was hard, and he never gave up, and he didn't accept that there were any limits. He There was nothing he couldn't work through. But as you get older, you realize that all of that came at the expense of his, like, children that he constantly put in danger, abandoned, his wife that he left all on her own pregnant with a child and he didn't even know because he didn't even care to check in with her. Yep. And also, he doesn't have a job. 
Yeah. Um, he might have gotten paid for that one time he won a tournament. Yeah. Other than that, they're kind of just living off of Chi-Chi's nest egg because she was a Chinese princess. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, so neither of them have And worked. they live in the mountains, like, and they don't have running water, I think. Yeah. Like, it's, it's... But I think I think the their most... bathtub is like a barrel they put outside with logs and like they heat the logs oh, yeah. and then they bathe in it like that's okay, how they live. So, She's a princess. But I so, think the wor- oh, go ahead. Go- Goku does canonically have children, right? Like this, yeah, he this has is a like Gohan and okay. uh, doesn't he have another one? He has Goten as well. He has Gohan and then he has the one he didn't even know about. Yes. <laughs> so Goku's. His oh, biggest flaw as a parent is the fact that he he really just abandons his children. Okay. So, okay, from the beginning of the show until the Cell Saga, Goku only spends, like, this one three-year gap actually with Gohan. Because first he's dead, then he's in the hospital, then he's traveling in a spaceship, and then Frieza yeah. dies, and Goku, they think he's dead, and they're like, hey, let's wish him back from the dead. And the dragon says, well, actually, he's still alive. And they say, oh, cool, then let's just wish Goku home so he can see his family. And the <laughs> dragon says, wild. That's the plot. Yeah, yeah, it is the plot. And the no, dra- this actually all this, happens. This all He's not lying. And the dragon yeah. says, I can't do that because Goku doesn't want to come home because he's too busy training with aliens and he's stronger than me. <laughs> and then, oh yeah, and then, God. wait, 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 it gets even better because after that, Goku does come home and he spends about three years training with Gohan, being an actual father. By the way, training him to fight androids <laughs> yeah. that are coming, not because he loves his son and wants to bond with him through fighting, which is what he's good at. No, he's training him specifically to fight yeah. murderous robots, which they found, or cyborgs technically, which were badly translated as androids, which yeah. they found out wipe out humanity. Like someone from the future comes and tells them like, yeah, all yeah. of humanity is practically dead and the androids are coming in three years. We need to fight them. So Goku's like, all right, I guess I'll train my shitty kid. But like, the worst part is that's the most <laughs> bonding he ever has with his son. Yeah. Because after that, a villain comes to Earth, uh, Cell, and he kills Goku, and then Gohan kills Cell, and then at the end, they say, let's wish Goku back, and Goku contacts them from heaven and says, actually, guys, I feel like it'd be better if I stayed dead. What? And so Goku stays dead for seven years, but worse than that, he, he does come back to life after seven years. No one's heard from him. Yeah, so here's the thing. So he contacts them to tell them, it's better if I stay dead because some of the monsters that are attacking us were created specifically to defeat me. So if I'm dead, that won't happen, which doesn't make any sense. I don't see why people would stop trying to conquer the earth, but whatever. But we know that this is a lie because when he comes back for one day, and he doesn't come back, by the way, because he misses his family and wants to see them. He comes back because there's a fighting tournament going on. and He's like, well, I got to get in on that. He comes back and he finds out he has another son. He has a six-year-old son. This means that in seven years, or like seven, however old Goten is, in all those years, Goku never once contacted the wife he left behind. Oh my Didn't God. Didn't even care to find out that he'd left her pregnant and yeah, gave like, birth like he can, and he has can, been raising yeah. a half alien little monster all on her own. Yeah, he, he, can, he can call them to say, he can call them to say, leave me alone. But when, yeah. <laughs> like, when yeah. it comes to actually like communicating with his family, he's like, not no. even once, Might not have... even one time in all those years. And you know it because he didn't even know he had a kid. It's the equivalent of of going away to another country because that's basically what death is in Dragon Ball. Yeah. He goes away to another country and he never phones home once even though he has a telephone with him the entire time. time. And it costs him nothing to do it. Do you mind if I add something to this? Go yes, ahead. go ahead. So throughout the entire Dragon Ball, pretty much the end game is some dude named King Piccolo, right? 
Yeah, yeah I haven't Dragon seen Ball. Dragon yeah. Ball in a while, but yeah, he's pretty much the end game. And his son is pretty much a deadly murder machine. And it ends with Goku as a kid finally killing King Piccolo and saving the world. And his son is still pretty evil and still pretty mad about the whole killing his dad thing. Piccolo Jr., who yep, Piccolo uh, King Jr. Piccolo spits out an egg, kind of like a Yoshi, which creates, you know, his son slash clone Piccolo Jr. Who better to raise your son than the per- son than the son of the person who you murdered? Because <laughs> literally, like three or four episodes into Dragon Ball Z, Goku is just like, "Well, hey, uh, small Piccolo, want to raise my kid?" We cool. We cool about the whole death thing. You want to raise my kid? I know I could be doing it, but you cool. We cool. And okay, here's the cool. thing: no God, one asks the mother. For all she knows, this crazy enemy, this green-looking alien who is the son of a monster that tried to, you know, to conquer the whole earth and was a bloody dictator, has kidnapped her son, who at this point is a toddler. Like, Goten could barely talk and walk. He was so little. <laughs> For all she knows, this monster has taken her child, and nobody knows if he's even alive. This is the situation this poor woman is in. Oh my god. And the show portrays her as the villain for having the gall to scream about it. For what? For being a little upset about well, it. She, like. she yells at Goku about it, right? And of yeah. course the show portrays it so that as a kid you're watching this and being like, man, Chi-Chi's such a downer. She just wants Gohan to go to school. That sucks. Gohan's <laughs> gonna fight with Piccolo. And as a kid, you know, you don't want to go to school. You want to fight with Piccolo. Yeah, Sounds yeah. Great. Everyone wants to fight Doesn't with Piccolo. Adult? I watch it and all I can think is like if I had a child that was taken from me by a monster and I tell my husband like where's our son and he's like sorry I'm dead I'm busy whatever is going on with Goku at the moment and I'm like sorry okay, we're in space well, can anybody help me get my child back and it's portrayed as like god this bitch is screaming all the time like calm down we're trying to have a good time we're trying to have a barbecue here and just show up screaming all the time yeah we're trying we're trying to fight some 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 bad alien boys we're we're in yo, hey we're in the man cave right now we're trying to fight some bad aliens in the man cave do some cool action stuff for the little kids on Saturday morning and you're sitting here like oh i want a family i want a stable family unit what's wrong with you what's wrong with you i want him to go to college instead of dying at the hands of some alien or some shit what's wrong with you so basically long story short um goku is not the ideal father figure for this show so we're not going to be focusing on him no if we were improving dragon ball we would focus on the better father figure in the show please mass murder genocide you know destroyer of worlds prince of all saiyans Vegeta. Hell yeah! The best father next to Piccolo. I was waiting for this to come! <laughs> so, when I was younger, I actually pitched a show, which surprisingly didn't get picked up, called Debriefed. And the idea of it was for it to be a family, heartwarming sitcom, sort of like Full House or Growing Pains. Right. Yeah. The whole shtick was that it was Bulma's family, so Vegeta was the dad. So instead of being yeah. the dad like he is in these traditional, you know, type, family sitcoms where he's like the voice of reason and he's kind and warm and all that like vegeta is the most like volatile one of all and it's kind of like about the whole family raising him it's like the most he's like the most toxic member of the family he is trying unlike goku like vegeta is trying like he's around he doesn't know like how to solve his problems without genocide but like he's trying you know his kid comes home from school with like a bad grade and like he doesn't care because what do grades matter just kill someone to get what you want but he realizes that his wife is upset about it so he like sits the kid down and he's like i don't know like 
punch your teacher. Like, just try harder. You know? <laughs> I don't know. Just, just punch your teacher or something. I don't, I don't know. Just show your teacher your alpha. I don't know. Like, is that how it works? Just go. <laughs> I got a bad grade in school. You fool. Back <laughs> when I was your age, I was destroying planets. Where's your say in pride? And like the time Bulma tells Trunks to do his own goddamn laundry, and Vegeta replies, Where's your say in tide? <laughs> when his daughter wants him to take her to the prom with her date, and he's like, Where's your say in pride? <laughs> when he walks his daughter down the aisle eventually, and he sheds a single tear that even he cannot hold in, and whispers quietly into his broken heart, there's my Saiyan bride. <laughs> Good. Well, Good. and and well, I think I think an alternate path. If we're gonna truly perfect this with this, um, there needs to be a character development for Vegeta. Like we do mention Absolutely. that Vegeta is very volatile and such. So, like for instance, uh, with the grades things, at first, like he's like, "Dad, I got an F on my exam." First, he's like, "How oh, dare you! You should blow up the planet!" or whatever. Um, but eventually he comes around and like, you know, he ends up calming down a bit and Trunks comes back uh, from the end of the year. He's like, I didn't get an A like you wanted, but I studied really hard and I got a C. And uh, Vegeta puts a hand on his shoulder and said, well, I am proud that you say and tried. <laughs> <laughs> of course, then Bulma comes in and says that's bullshit because he's a genius like she is. And there's no right. way that little fucker tried and got a C like that. <laughs> Didn't happen. Right. But but that's like post credits. That's that's, that's that's just Bulma scene yeah, later. Yeah. The point is that Vegeta accepted it and like took it in uh, Saiyan stride. Yeah. Instead of like forcing his son to to be something that he's not. Although he really didn't like Bra's mysticism stage, where she was really into like alternative medicine and like magic and stuff. Because like he really got sick of all her how she say and scryed for like her decisions. Like that was just not. Stop! Or, or Stop! like when no he was uh, when he tried no, no. training with Trunks too early no. on, and you know he just he hit Trunks a little too hard, and he says, "Ugh, I just hate that he say and cry." Yeah, like all the time. No, no. Well, I mean, see, here's the thing: we we do we do have to stop with these jokes because the range on like how many jokes we can make is pretty Saiyan wide. God. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's pretty great. And I actually, I based these jokes on cosplaying Kid Trunks one time and actually meeting Vegeta's ghost or ghost actor voice actor. Uh, <laughs> Thinking of Dragon Ball Z too much. Meeting Vegeta's voice actor Chris Sabat at a convention while I was cosplaying Kid Trunks. Oh, that's and like awesome. he's so great. Like he's so great to his fans. He like totally played along and asked me where my Saiyan Pride was. And that's, oh, that's great. the day when I was like, Yeah, man. Yeah. But yeah, if you think his development with Trunks would be one thing, I think he would be kind of an unfortunate parent to Trunks in that he would try, but this is early rough Vegeta and he probably wouldn't be a very good father figure. But by the time his daughter comes around and she becomes his little destroyer of worlds and he's all about her. <laughs> like, I can imagine Vegeta, like, going to the store to buy her the equivalent of, like, a My Little Pony toy and some neckbeard, like, takes it first before his little daughter can get it. <laughs> and, like, he's just freaking, he doesn't punch the guy because he understands by now that that's, like, inappropriate. But he, like, totally encourages his superpowered toddler to, like, stand up for herself and, like, beat the crap out of that guy and take her little My Little Pony toy. <laughs> so, so what you're saying... Is that to perfect Dragon Ball Z, we just turn it into a Vegeta sitcom. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yes, I'm okay. on the same page. So here, I've actually linked you to the theme song if you'd like to okay. play it. My bloodline is one of royal savages. Your scientist always calculating averages. Your hair's as blue as the corpses of my enemies. I will threaten the world now and spend my days on Susu. Oh, 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 oh. 
the dragon, baby. Oh, <laughs> Live from the Dragon Ball Studio. But on a more serious note about the analysis, the reason why um, we bring this up is just that Dragon Ball Z's problem starts becoming that it loses an emotional center. Like, the stakes are getting raised higher and higher as far as like, oh, well, now this enemy can destroy planets. Well, this one can destroy universes. Yeah, the classic shonen. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, so um, it's, it's, it's the supernatural problem also is, is what, yeah. I, what I personally yeah, would, would know exactly. it by. A lot of shows, Naruto had it too, where it's like... Like ev every season, like because it <laughs> didn't end when it should have, they just keep needing to escalate it because the next threat needs to be bigger. The next threat needs to be bigger than the last one so that you feel like the stakes are being raised and you're not like, oh, well, they faced bigger things before so they can handle this one. Like, no, every new season you need to be worried like, oh no, are they going to survive this? So after like... 11 yeah. seasons you get to the point where like it's like oh th like like in supernatural specifically it's like oh no we're facing god's sister's cousin and it's like oh okay so like because yeah, you've already yeah. like DBZ runs into this after season one like <laughs> yeah they, they already That's have country, yeah. people that can destroy entire planets after the first season so they immediately <laughs> like yeah they didn't wait and so by the time you get to season two they're like fuck like Right. I don't know. So like like you, can, you, you start with you start with threats and stakes that are pretty personal, but then because you need to keep raising it, that transfers into like world ending threats. But then like after you've threatened the world, where are you gonna go? Right. You know, like And I think Well, I mean, I guess I guess technically uh they kinda got into multiverse theory with the Cell saga, but Yeah, they did, and you couldn't fix the past. But I think the real problem is that the reason we cared about the Cell saga wasn't because he was the most powerful threat to the universe ever. The reason we cared about the Cell Saga was because of Future Trunks. Like, even if you didn't think yeah. about it, like, subconsciously, Future Trunks comes and tells you that everyone he knows and loves is dead, and that he never even knew if his father loved him because he, all he knew of Vegeta was what Bulma's told him. Vegeta abandoned them and then died. In this universe that we were watching, the one that gets saved, Vegeta eventually comes around and becomes a father. But Future yeah. Trunks will never know that or really experience it, you know, not for himself, if his father would have in his world. And this really becomes the stakes. We don't want to see our characters end up broken up like that. The family units destroyed. It isn't the fact that Cell can destroy more planets than Frieza or whatever. It's the personal connection. And I think this is a mistake a lot of shonen make because Dragon Ball Z was really a trailblazer and unfortunately has become kind of a blueprint for a lot of shonen. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many planets someone can destroy. It's how personal the stakes are. Because it, you can have an enemy that can destroy worlds and it doesn't matter. But you can have just like a thug with a gun pointing it to your kid's head. And that is way more scary. It doesn't matter if they can destroy the world. It matters if they can destroy... Your, your world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, I was about to... I was, I was going to say something similar in the fact that like it's not the fact that people die it's the fact that people you care about die exactly yeah. so it's that's what makes it heavy yeah. at least at least in terms of like media and entertainment that's what makes yeah, you care sure. that's what makes it important and i think this is the real problem with dragon ball z and what would fix it is if we had more time to get to know the characters as they are outside of fighting because so much of the focus is on training 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 and fighting 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 if we got to have more moments with Vegeta recognizing that his whole world, his culture is completely gone. He is the only Saiyan left. He can never talk about what he ate as a kid, what the summers were like. He can no one will understand. He a word he wants to use that doesn't translate. Goku is a Saiyan only in blood. He practically is a True. human being because he grew up on Earth and has no memory of it. 
So, yeah, so he's like the remnant of the cat, not cat crackle, the Saiyan culture. Yeah. And so how can how can anyone understand what it's like to lose that much of your entire being? Right. And then here comes his son from the future who experienced the same exact thing with the androids. Oh my God, a connection. The kid he rejected because he didn't want to have a family and do all that. He just wanted to be a fighter and the Prince of All Saiyans and beat Kakarot. But here he meets his son from the future, the same kid he just ran out on. And this kid tells him, I went through the same exact thing. My entire world died. There is nothing left. It is just me. And he's not alone. Suddenly he could... I, I envision this scene of him and Trunks lying on the roof and not talking much because Vegeta's not a talker, but he just points to a blank area in the sky and tells Trunk, tells his son that's where planet Vegeta was. And they don't have to say anymore because Trunks knows exactly what he means. Huh. And suddenly him coming back to be with Bulma and try to be a father has a motivation. It makes sense. And we're rooting for him so that if he does do something totally stupid and brain dead, we get it. And like, if there's a risk to him... Later in a different saga, he like gets possessed, but it turns out he was faking, but he kills a bunch of people. He flat out just kills a bunch of people. The show yeah. never really addresses the fact that he does this because then he goes back to the good side. Can you, Bulma was there. She could have been hit. Can you imagine how horrified she'd be of this man that for years she's had children with and has been living with domestically. They've been in love. Everything's been fine. Suddenly one day snapped and went back to just killing a bunch of, you saw it right before your eyes. You could have right. been hit. Your kids could have been hit. How was there no fallout? Wouldn't that have been way more interesting than, okay, well, now Majin Buu has like a fifth form and also the candy he turns people into <laughs> is now chocolate instead of like hard candy. Like, no one gives right. a wait, shit, it wasn't, dude. Like, wait, it wasn't chocolate the whole time? Maybe. No, I don't care. He turned like, Deborah into a cookie. Yeah, there we go. Oh, I knew okay, there was like, one that, different that's one. A, that's but a, it's people, like, no one gives a that's shit. That's a thing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I please remember I have never seen the show so like oh, hearing like this guy can turn people Z, into candy the creator stopped giving a shit he was like there's nowhere yeah. to go from here so this season yeah, the boo the saga they just stopped caring so there's just like a candy guy that just yeah like, he's just made a candy yeah and then he gets stronger when he becomes a kid or something yeah yeah <laughs> well I think I think they tried to explain it like his kid form was weaker but he had no like earthly desires so instead of wanting candy he just wanted to kill everything but it's like they just them constantly trying to say this one's even more dangerous guys because you know he's and it's like that's not as interesting as dealing with the fact that wait who is the real vegeta is it the father we see doting on his little infant daughter is it the one who's a little too hard on trunks but it's really because he's trying his best to show affection but to saiyans that means fighting or is it that monster that just blew up a stadium full of innocent people just to get at Goku, just to make a point to Goku? Something that petty. Which one's the real one? What happens when we confront this? This is a way more interesting stake to put in. Right. If suddenly yeah. Goku has to take down Vegeta, we don't even know who to root for. Because Goku's a terrible fucking dad and Vegeta's actually a good one. But Vegeta's the threat to Earth. So who do we root for? That's way I mean, more interesting sound... than fucking candy, bubblegum, alien kid, steam coming out of his hat, has a puppy, kills the puppy. I don't know what happens. I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, I might be biased here and a little selfish on this front, but I'm going to have to choose saving the earth over the better father winning. No, nothing personal to Vegeta. Nothing <laughs> no, personal see, at all to you Vegeta. You make a good point because that is the, yeah. the right conclusion. Yeah, but of not course. For, but Bulma would still like, if we've connected with Bulma and her family and her kids, we're still going to be torn, yeah, exactly. even if we it's recognize, not be, it's not you know? Be, it's not going to be all like, oh, it's obviously that I have no hang-ups. You're still going to have a hang-up because it's a character that you've grown attached to, and that's yeah. something yep. that 
And like point. you're mentioning, that's something that uh, DBZ, despite having such iconic and such memorable characters, uh, again, excluding Busaga, um, <laughs> these characters are so iconic and these characters are so easy to connect with. They just need to do more with them or anything of with just, them like they have instead so of much just potential say, yeah instead of just being all like mm. all right this person is going to go to super saiyan 800 his hair is now all <laughs> the colors of the wind and he can fire kamehameha out of both of his butt cheeks at once <laughs> dude the names are more ridiculous than super saiyan 800 it was super saiyan god super saiyan and even they realized yeah, forgot, that yeah. was stupid and changed it to super saiyan blue yep <laughs> because they had super saiyan god form but then he went Super Saiyan while in Super Saiyan God form, so that was Super what Saiyan God fuck? Super Saiyan. What the fuck? <laughs> it's stupid. All these crazy random power levels. That's not what's interesting. We want to see the character get stronger physically. Yes, of course. We want awesome action sequences. That's bitchin'. That's why we're here. But to see the character grow emotionally, mentally, is what keeps you invested. That's what makes the stakes go up, not adding more super crazy hairstyles. And because of that, you could keep the show the same, though I'd recommend against it. You could keep the show the same and just include like four seasons of Vegeta sitcom in the middle. Yep. And I think the entire thing would be <laughs> yeah, strong. I think, I think you should replace the Boo saga with it. Okay, okay. So Yeah, I was about to say, I, I think that's the perfection. That, you replace yes. the Boo saga with a Vegeta-themed <laughs> sitcom. <laughs> that is perfected DBZ. Sitcom yes. in the middle. And Gohan's that, side plot about going to high school and not fitting in could also feature into this. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because like Trunks can go to school too. One of my fa I actually wrote spec scripts for this when I was a kid. This is what I did. <laughs> um, not a kid, really. I was a teenager. But I had this great line I was so proud of, and it's probably going to fall really flat. But Yamsha decides that these kids need, like, a sane father figure. So he wants to take Trunks and Goten camping, and he's trying to, like, get them into okay. it. And Trunks just kind of bridally replies, like, you're telling me we're going to go out into the wilderness and sleep there with no electricity, no running water, no heat or air conditioning, and fend for ourselves off the wilderness? Um, I've already done that. It's called a sleepover at Goten's house. <laughs> Jesus. Akira Toriyama, take notes. <laughs> he doesn't care anymore. Have you seen the plots of Dragon Ball Super? He just randomly makes up characters that don't make any sense, that never existed before. Bulma has a sister now. Vegeta has a brother now. It doesn't matter anymore. Okay, so, so that's, that's the angle we're going at. The perfection yeah. for Dragon Ball Z is to replace this arc in the middle with almost an aside of, of, like, of, of debriefed like this this vegeta sitcom yes exactly yeah. okay good we got it i mean i would love it if they had some character development in the three-year gap for the androids come would be super cool to see what made bulma and vegeta go from whatever you're a dumb human i don't care about you and you're an alien that killed my boyfriend to fuck my boyfriend i love you and like okay like i kind of want you to yeah. even though i thought you were a dumb human like that would be interesting but you know whatever a time skips fine for you. flashback episode. yeah that's, that's okay well well We'll fix it in post. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. <laughs> we'll right, just edit um, it out. So now that we have that out of the way, there is there is the one other one that you that you brought up that I've been uh, personally excited to get to. Yes. Um. So what's your stance wait, you on Batman? Wait, wait. You don't want to talk more about an anime that you've never seen? <laughs> Come now, Jordan. Uh, yeah, we want I to we want to confuse you and have you make funny noises while we talk about real things that actually happened in this anime. <laughs> to be it's, fair, it's your reactions to the death um, 
convolution or Deborah getting turned into a cookie uh, has yeah. been making my day. Did you mention uh, Deborah looks like the devil, like the literal devil? Yeah, he does like he's look red like... and has horns and he gets turned into oh, a cookie. Oh, God. I don't. He does look like Satan, but not Mr. Satan, who is a completely normal human with no superpowers. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, Mr. Satan saves the world. Yeah, he does, so, well, even though he has I no mean, superpowers. Anyway. Yeah, so, so Batman. And the reason why we tied this into is because Batman has been around for a long time and he's done been done really well and he's been done really awfully, you know, right. everything in between. And the stories of Batman that have always resonated most with me, and I think Dalton, you've said the same, are the stories where there's personal stakes, of course, same thing, you know? I mean, it's one yeah. thing to have Batman beating up baddies. Of course we want to see that. That's awesome. But having a complex character who's more than just, I am the knight, I would have punched everything my parents are dead, you know? like <laughs> Yeah. You can say you can say Christian Bale. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually was thinking more of Ben Affleck. Cause oh, that's, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, but, um, I, yeah, like, the <laughs> Christian Bale Batman had some good. I mean, Dark Knight, obviously, yeah. everybody knows, like, yeah. that's a, yeah. That's a I good quite movie. like um, Christian Bale's yeah, trilogy. True. Even if the third one was weaker, I thought it was a very strong uh, trio of movies. Yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't remember. Sure. I don't remember the the first and the third as much as I do uh, the Dark Knight. Uh, mainly just because I haven't seen them as much. I think I saw the yeah, Dark true. Knight Rises once, but that was but, it. But the Dark Knight. Why does that one resonate more with the other ones? Well, okay. The first one, the big enemy was uh, what, what's his name? Scarecrow Ra's and Rachel. And Rachel. No, no, the actor who played Rachel Ghoul. Oh, Liam oh, Qui Gon Jinn. Qui Gon Jinn. Right. So Qui Gon Jinn <laughs> taught Batman martial arts or whatever. Also, they 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 didn't call him Raish. They called him Raz. Yeah, they called him Raz. Razagu. That his name isn't Razagu. It's Rachel Ghoul. Okay. Well, I guess that explains why I sound like the normie here. <laughs> but, um, just like, oh, you mean Razal Ghoul? Meanwhile, you're just Razagoo, like, no. as I call him. No. Uh, so Razagoo, aka Qui Gon Jinn, trains Batman, and then later turns out Razagoo is the bad guy. So the most we get out of this is like, oh no, not the guy who trained me. But you know, we don't have much of an emotional investment with that because that was mostly a montage, like. So it's right, more kind yeah. of just like, oh, what a twist, rather than like, no, no, my father figure, ah, uh, you know, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. But the Dark yeah. Knight really hits because here we have a love interest that we've already spent the previous movie developing, Rachel. and now this movie in danger. <laughs> Rachel. And we also have Harvey Dent, who's not only a friend, he is hope for the city. You know, we see right, right, we all yeah. experience, you know, corruption in our lives and our government, and the idea of like a shining knight prosecutor to come in and make it all better by running for office sounds awesome. We all, you know, can see how that would be inspiring. Yeah, of course, yeah. And so having Batman make the decision between the person he personally loves and the person who would save the city, it's once again, it's like asking Bulma to choose between choose Goku and save the Earth or choose Vegeta and save your family. God, you yeah, know? that's crazy. Yeah, for sure. And even though, you know, Chase choosing Goku is the right thing, can she really abandon the man she loves, father yeah, of yeah, children? Yeah, like, I... I I I always forget just how like how perfectly executed the stakes in that scene are. Like I like I always like when when obviously when you remember it, you just remember like, oh yeah, that's a cool that's a cool scene. He has to make a choice between these two people, one is the yeah. person he loves, one is this really cool guy that everyone else loves. And it's like, no, like that's yeah. like almost symbolic in a sense, because like one of these one of these people, like he's known since childhood like like she's so important to him. Yeah. And then this other guy is like a, a beacon of hope. Like yep. the entire city, like he's been doing a great job, and like if he's gone, then like, like people are kind of screwed in a lot of ways. So it's yeah. like it's, yeah. it's crazy. And the best part is he makes the wrong choice. He goes to save Rachel. Yeah. And the only reason it doesn't work out 
is because the Joker knew he would make the wrong choice and swap exactly. them, lied about their locations, therefore forcing him to make the right choice. So he thought he was making the wrong one. Like the or whole, it would have been the reverse if he had made the right choice. It would have been the wrong one. The yeah. whole psychological yeah, exactly. mind fuck he pulled on him. God. Because now not only does he have the guilt of killing Rachel, he also has the guilt of he tried to let Harvey Dent die. He doesn't win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and it's and the best part about that is like it isn't explicitly said like like it doesn't have uh, Harvey Dent looking you in the face and said, "Hey, what's up? You tried to kill me." Like no one else knows outside of Batman. Well, it's, yeah, like it's actually the opposite. Harvey Dent is furious at Batman for letting Rachel die. He thinks Batman chose him. Exactly, and he's he's looking him in the face and being like, "It's like, hey, here's the person that you were about to let die." Yep. Which I think is just that's I just God, I love it's so great. Good. And we add to that the Joker, a character who God, people forget why he was interesting because now everybody wants to make villains who are like, oh, I'm crazy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like no, the it Joker isn't, wasn't interesting just because he was crazy. What was interesting was about him was that destabilization seemed to be the goal. He didn't care about money. He didn't care about, you know. The, the other reasons that usually motivate villains, he seriously yeah. was just like, he wanted chaos, he wanted destabilization, and this goes so against what Batman understands about criminals. He thinks like a detective. Exactly. To have someone that has no motivation other than wanting the world to burn was interesting because of how it played against Batman. And this is the same reason it didn't work with Lex Luthor, who is an evil character that's calculating, who works within the confines of the law usually. He's just right. unethical, and that's why he's such a slippery snake and such a perfect uh, foil to Superman, because Superman can't take him down easily. Yeah. Like, the reason that, um, I think the reason that I, I once heard that why a Joker works so well is because he isn't just, like, a person who's like, hello, look, it's me, the Joker. I uh, have a lot of mental illnesses, and I have damage tattooed on my forehead. Oh, I'm not even going to be transparent about that. Um, But he... In, in The Dark Knight, he isn't, like, some dude with, like, a mental illness. He's not some dude who's just like, oh, I'm crazy. He's a force of nature. Yeah. More yeah. so than, than an actual, well, I don't want to say more force of nature than an actual character, but being the force of nature is who he is. He yeah. does, like you yeah. mentioned, doesn't have any personal agendas, doesn't have any personal addendums. He just is, and he's just out to cause destruction. And the whole point of Batman is that he's trying to take down people he's trying to take down criminals but joker kind of over time just sort of transcends becoming a person there's that other element of it in that batman truly wants the best in people he uh the, there's a reason he doesn't send most of his villains to prison he sends most of them to arkham asylum um because he wants them to get better and the joker really challenges that because the joker it feels like the Joker, even if he was given the opportunity to change, he wouldn't take it. You know, you right. get people like Harvey Dent, who you can see the goodness still in him, and it's struggling to take control, but he's just got so much he's dealing with that he can't. But then you get the Joker, who just says, no way, I like this, I am going to be this forever. And Batman has to struggle with the fact that even then, he can't bring himself well, to kill the he, Joker. Well, because he also doesn't want the Joker to be unsalvageable because he sees an element of himself i mean to be a guy who dresses up like a bat and decides what good and evil is i mean there there's parallels there and i think he wants to yeah. believe that the joker can be redeemed because he wants to believe that he's still good he wants to believe that he's not part of the problem and so he right. needs to believe 
people who are sick can be saved. I'm not just a crazy person. <laughs> there is humanity for me after this. Someday I'll be done and I can go back to being human too. Right. <laughs> but yeah. this is exactly like Dragon Ball Z, Batman 2. The best Batman stories are the ones where there are those personal stakes rather than just like, this version of the Joker is crazier than yeah. ever. With his yeah. tattoos and his grills. He and needs he a bunch like, of <laughs> guns and he puts the guns in a circle on the floor. And when he lies down in the circle on the floor of made of guns, it looks like he's mean. Hunka hunka. He's just a big old meanie head. But so that, so that leads us to we, we know what makes Batman work, mm-hmm. but how do we make him perfect? All yeah. right. You ready, Dalton? Oh, I'm ready. Batfam, the TV show. Batfam, the TV show. Go yes, on. It is, it is, once again, like Debriefed, a story that focuses more on Batman's family. But it is an action show. There's yes. plenty of action. Yes. Unlike right. Debriefed, it's not just It's a, not a sitcom. It's yeah. not like a silly, cheesy sitcom. It is like a Batman, but there's family shenanigans, so it's pretty funny, too. Because in, uh, in the Batman mythos, there's... So many different Robins, but there's about, I think, four major ones. Yeah. There's Dick Grayson, the original Robin who ends up becoming Nightwing when he becomes disillusioned with how Batman pushes everyone away. And then there's me, Tim Drake. Well, you forgot Jason Todd. (laughs) Jason Todd? Who's Jason Todd? Jason Todd was the second Robin. There's another Robin? (laughs) Yes, Tim. (laughs) What? Uh, there was Jason Todd who died died (laughs) and ended up getting revived from the dead by Ra's al Ghul. And at that point, he decided, you you know what, I'm renouncing Batman's ways. (laughs) Criminals need to die. After that, there's Tim Drake. Tim Drake, the best Robin. (laughs) Tim Drake is incredibly intelligent. The smartest. He figures out Batman's identity. Well, you know what? We should we should introduce you to them the way we imagine them being introduced in debris. You know, sorry, Batfam. And the way they're introduced in Batfam. The first episode starts. Bruce Wayne is just hanging out in his mansion, being Bruce Wayne-y, and Alfred tells him that there's someone at the door for him. So Bruce Wayne goes to the door, and there's this kid there, and he sees Talia al Ghul, daughter of Ra's al Ghul, just drive off, shouting, He's your problem now! <laughs> and he looks down to see their son that they had in A Night of Passion, Damian Wayne, who just walks in, and he's like, Shh whatever like i even need to live here i could just like i don't know take out a bunch of people and live wherever i want you know like but i had to register my fist as a deadly weapon so you know i couldn't get through security nothing personnel bruce some people hate damian <laughs> wayne because they think he's too much of a mary sue but i think those people aren't seeing the potential for a hilarious hilarious character this kid thinks He's perfect, but he's actually just a shitty little kid. He is now Bruce Wayne's son, and Bruce Wayne has to raise this little shit and train him. And teach yeah. him not to murder people. Yep. He's the kind of kid that when, like, Tim Drake talks to talk, tries to talk to him about girls or whatever, he turns around and goes, whatever, I smash, like, 200 pussy a night. And he doesn't even know what that means, but he read it on Reddit, so he's like, yeah. <laughs> so, in other words, a very young Vegeta. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So that's Damian Wayne. And we have Dick Grayson, the original Robin. He doesn't live with Batman because he has beef with him, you know? Like, he feels like Batman was never the father figure he should have been, was always too hard on him, didn't give him enough credit. He's going to college now, you know? But he he resents the fact that Bruce seems to be, like, 
a better father to these kids. It's like he loves them more. He's not as hard on them. Of course, he's like Bruce's favorite because he's the best Robin ever, but he doesn't see that. And he tries to be like a big brother type, but he's too much of a square. So the other Robins are just kind of like, yeah, okay, Dick, right. whatever. Yeah. You and do then that. the best and when they, one, when of they course, say, yeah, okay, Dick, whatever, it's like simultaneously like an insult and them just calling him his normal name. Well, it's it like, is for <laughs> Damien. It's not little. for Tim because Tim Drake, the best Robin, he's uh, the one that he was an orphan that figured out. Bruce Wayne's identity like all on his own and like goes up to him and basically just tells him like hey you're Batman right like here's my proof and so of course Bruce Wayne adopts him because what else are you gonna do you can't, right. you can't, yeah, out. You can't kill the kids so like <laughs> he adopts yeah, him like, like, huh, I like, to imagine, I like I to imagine Batman's thinking about that yeah, like, like, well I can't kill him and Alfred goes yes. your code sir no because he's a kid he's a kid <laughs> so, um, so he adopts him right but Tim Drake's kind of like a special Robin He's a genius, but he also like doesn't understand normal human things sometimes. Like he doesn't understand metaphors. Right. Like at all or like analogies. If you try to tell him something like, I don't know, what would be like a common turn of phrase? Like, don't put the cart before the horse. And he's like, I don't own a horse. Like, why would I? And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, like why would doing? someone put the cart? Wait, are we talking about yeah, the Yeah, yeah, no, obviously. Like it, it wouldn't move that way. Like, yeah, I don't know why like you're telling me this. Like his favorite joke to tell. His favorite joke to tell is like, hey, why didn't the skeleton cross the road? Because it didn't have the musculature. Get it? Like, <laughs> hilarious. Like, I couldn't. And they try to explain to him that it's because it did, wouldn't have the guts. And he's like, guts don't affect your ability to move. Like, that doesn't make <laughs> The original joke was I mean, bad. Like, yeah, I you need. It. I mean, like, yeah, you need them to, like, live and, like, be alive. But, like, at the same time... Why, why specifically go with guts? Yeah, it's like, mean, that has nothing to do with your ability to move. Like, that's a musculature like, uh, thing. No, Tim, you just, you don't understand. And a skeletal thing. <laughs> just, just say, it already just has say the calves. Just say it doesn't got calves. He's, he's the kid <laughs> who, like, calves. Dick Grayson worries about him. And he's like, Tim, like, why don't you go to college? You're a genius. What are you going to do with your life? And Tim Drake's like, I'm going to be Batman. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. No, but you can, like, just be Batman. Why not? Well, what will you do for money? Inherit Bruce's fortune. I don't understand what this conversation's about, Dick. <laughs> Dick's like, no, you gotta like strike out on your own and be your own person. You you're not just Bruce's puppet. And Tim's like, I'm perfectly happy being Bruce's puppet. I don't know what your issue is. We we have to think about Dick Grayson, who, like we said, he's got beef with Batman. He's moved out. He's gone to his own city of Bloodhaven. Yeah, Bloodhaven is where Nightwing hangs out because I think he was invented in the nineties. Um <laughs> Bloodhaven. He works in Bloodhaven now as Nightwing, but he's got his own little thing going on because uh, he dated Batgirl, Barbara Gordon, for a while. Um, right. But, but they uh, broke up. But they broke up. And, and now she's paralyzed and she's uh, become Oracle because even paral paralysis isn't going to stop Batgirl. She's a badass. She basically yeah. does all of the, the technology, all of the ground mm -hmm. control, mission control stuff for Batman, and he'd Super be lost dope. without her. But because of or this, um, Dick has some very... Uh, unresolved issues with a lot of the Bat fam, so he spends most of his time with his new girlfriend, um, an alien named Coriander, known to most people as Starfire. Of course, the problem okay. is Coriander is um, from another planet where people are more sexually enlightened. Uh, she's polyamorous, <laughs> but not in the gross way it's been conveyed in the comics. In the comics, right. it's always an excuse for her to like bang random guys and be naked all the time. I was thinking of it more like... They're having trouble paying rent, so she suddenly comes home with, like, a bunch of money, and Dick's like, where'd you get it? And she's like, oh, you know, they gave it to me just for dancing. And when he tries to explain to her, like, 
no, please don't be a stripper. Like, that's really degrading. She, like, doesn't understand. She's like, hold on. I'm so hot that people will pay me a ton of money to dance because they're too pathetic to see me otherwise. And I'm the one that's being degraded. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I, yeah, that's, that's perfectly fine with me. Like, <laughs> she's like, it sounds like they're being degraded. Okay. Which one thing, one thing I want to address. One thing I yes. want to address about this. Okay. Because when you, when you brought up the bat fam thing, it made me think like, oh, Hey, you know, this is great, but it's been done before. Like Lego Batman movie recently took like a big angle on the whole like family aspect of Batman. True, yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I love the concept of like flipping it on its head a bit and just it being like Batman with a bunch of Robins at the same time yep. in the yep. same house. Like that's that's fantastic. Yep. All yep. of them. And my favorite plot we were thinking of was like, OK, well, we really need to define arcs for each of the characters. So obviously uh, the whole thing going on with Dick Grayson is him trying to balance school and the thing with his alien girl. He's trying to like make a solid relationship with, but also dealing with problems with his ex, who the alien right. girl thinks is really hot and wants to have a threesome with, and he doesn't know what he's going to do about this. <laughs> Versus, and yeah. also trying to, like, take care of the other Robins, because he feels like they're they're having trouble being guided, and Bruce is kind of not always the best dad, because he has them staying right. up late fighting crime. <clears throat> Versus uh, Damien Wayne's whole arc, which is, you know, his mom's family is way cooler because Grandpa Rachel Ghoul says he can just kill people and save the world that way. But lame old dad Batman says I have to be in bed by 1 a.m. and also don't kill people. So, like, who am I? Who am I going to be? <laughs> That's his struggle. But, like, what's Tim Drake's struggle? You know, that kid's pretty happy just having a family, you know? Right. And so he we figured out, like... wants to get the like, sick new video game. We, we brought in a character that we thought makes Batman better always, except once, mm -hmm. but we're going to talk about he, that. He, uh... He goes to um, Tim Drake's book club, and the yeah. way we introduce this is we do a Thanksgiving episode yeah. where everyone's coming yeah. over for Thanksgiving. Um, well, the reason they're coming over is because Batman was having a bit of a, a custody problem because, like, obviously he wants the kid to be with his mom for Thanksgiving, but he yeah. doesn't want to go to Rachel Ghoul's place because, like, there's going to be a bunch of murderous ninjas and who knows what'll happen. And so yeah, him and Alfred talk about it, and they're finally like, okay, I think the safest thing to do is to invite Talia and Rache to come here for Thanksgiving, so we'll be on our turf, you know? And so he has yeah. Rachel al Ghul and Talia al Ghul, and they're like ninja bodyguards there. But for backup, he uh, tells Dick, hey, please come to Thanksgiving. Like, it would mean a lot because you're family, but also, you know, to have you as backup. And he brings his girlfriend, Starfire, just to make okay. things a little less hard on him with, you know, dealing with Barbara. Mm -hmm. But Tim hears this, that there's going to be a plus one. And he's like, oh, man, then I'm going to bring my buddy from the book club. <laughs> and his buddy is a man named Edward Nigma. Yeah. For those of you oh, who are God. not in the know, it's the Riddler. Yeah. So oh, it turns out God. the Riddler so gets like discharged from Arkham because he like he's a genius after all. So he makes it look like he's cured. But part of his like probation is for him to like get a hobby that doesn't have to do with riddles or killing people so he has he right. joins a book club right and like <laughs> yeah, of course. everybody hates him there because all he does is tell them that they don't understand the book and like give long sermons about the real meaning of the book <laughs> so when the rest of the book club like gets together for pizza or whatever they like don't invite him and so tim joins the book club and like feels really bad for him and so starts hanging out with him he's like well why don't we go to your place and have our own pizza party and of course being a genius, like Edward Nigma starts piecing together that this kid might be a Robin. Right. And so he wants to like use him to get to Batman. But Tim Drake, of course, is like super well intentioned. He's like, I know he's the Riddler, but he's like reformed. He just needs a friend. And so when he hears <laughs> that like Dick gets to bring a plus one, 
he's like, oh, man, well, I'm totally going to bring my buddy from the book club. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he brings Edward Nigma to Thanksgiving, which everyone's upset about, but no one wants to say anything because they'd have to reveal, hey, I'm Batman. You know, that's how I know who you are. <laughs> And so Edward Nigma doesn't figure out that Bruce is Batman. And the reason why is because he's too occupied being stressed out that he doesn't think everyone there knows he's the Riddler and he's not getting a credit for like the fact that he's the Riddler. <laughs> so he could be using this time to like puzzle out who everyone is and like maybe try to find the Batcave. But he's too preoccupied sitting there being like, but do they know I'm the Riddler? Like, do they know I'm a genius? Like, I'm not just a <laughs> random guy from the book club. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, do they do they see through my ruse? Um, yeah, I have a like, I have a question. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, it's it's more of like it's more of a pitch. It's more of a suggestion here. Um, yeah. You guys have brought up, you guys have brought up the title, and it seems like you're pretty sold on the title, Bat Fam. Mm-hmm. But I would like to uh, to to make a counterpoint here for another potential title that I is resonating with me very much. So, tell us, Family Batters. Oh no! <laughs> I was but gonna say uh, Jordan. Gonna that's say more like the tagline. It's like Bat Fam. Because family batters. <laughs> family batters. Like what were you going to say, Ryan? Cakes. I was thinking like round robin or something. Round robin. <laughs> round robin is good, too. Oh, my God. That's, that's why I'm red robin, right? Yep. Also, oh that, my that God. whole joke about there's another robin was the whole thing about Tim Drake, like, doesn't know about the robin before him that died. Right. So every time they talk about it, he's like, there's another robin? You're lying. <laughs> good. All right. So... This is fantastic. So we have we have two we have two shows that had the potential to be uh, to be really focused on on family and and dad dynamics and really have that emotional character core here. But they lost their way in the middle. Well, like with Batman, it's more like he's lost his way in like various different adaptations. Dragon yeah. Ball Z is one really continuous good. thing. Some of them are Some of them are like pretty focused on that kind of stuff and yeah, yeah like, like lego batman yeah like lego batman uh, yeah, but lego what batman. we have done here what we have done here is we have taken the best aspects of these emotional cores and just kind of like yeah we've distilled them yeah yes. yeah we've distilled them that's that's what i was looking for we so we have <laughs> we have debriefed which is going to replace an arc in the middle of dragon ball z and just be a little a little bit of a break from all the escalation and from all the from all the craziness to really build that emotional core and then this new uh batman sitcom is going to be its own thing entirely i think that's great i think the idea is for bat fam because every iteration inspires the mythos for a future one so the idea is for yeah, bat fam to focus on this so the next time they make a batman right. movie they think you know what why not have you know yeah. doesn't understand metaphors genius autistic tim drake there to like give some yeah heart and like soul. we we have yeah. we have yeah. we have learned that family does batter now so we need <laughs> yeah, to like family put batters. that that's right. We, so instead of do, Ben Affleck like killing people and growling a lot, you know, maybe, yeah. instead, maybe he's like, oh gosh, uh, what about I, the dating, PTA meeting? I'm dating <laughs> Catwoman, but she doesn't know I'm Batman. But I need yeah. to invite her for Thanksgiving. What do I do? Oh no! Yeah, but she's going to meet do? Talia, the mother of my child. Things are getting really complicated. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Wait. Here's here's one quick question about these though. Yes. Between Batfam and debriefed. Which dad makes more dad jokes? Oh, Bruce. definitely Bruce. 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 Vegeta <laughs> Bruce for do sure. Jokes. The thing is, the thing yeah. is, Bruce okay. makes the jokes with a straight face, so they can't tell if he's kidding or not. But like, maybe he'll walk away and just like smile, and they can't see. <laughs> yeah. and he is. He's joking. mysterious, yeah. and they all turn around and go, "Wait a minute, were you doing that on purpose?" But then he's gone, and all that's left <laughs> is a window. 
All that's left is a football. Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> football. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Vegeta's would be more like Trunks would be like, "Man, Dad, I'm really hungry." Hello there, hungry. Where's your Saiyan pride? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hunt your own meal. Why don't Wait, you? V- Vegeta goes to like a parenting course, and it's like inject some corny humor to lighten the mood. And he's like, "Like what?" And they tell him the dad jokes. He says, "I understand, and I will tell the best father joke." And then it's that. <laughs> I will tell father jokes that will make Kakarot burst at the seams. Goku tells a joke at a barbecue and gets like way more laughs. So then Vegeta like dedicates himself to like taking improv classes because he has to defeat Kakarot. He guest stars on real time fandom because he's just really trying to get better at this. Yeah. Okay. Can I not do this, Kakarot? So. So. We need to kill him. We need to kill Kakarot. <laughs> Okay, we need to stop. Otherwise, this is gonna go on forever. Uh, so yeah, thank thank you guys so much. This that was fantastic. So yeah, for now sure. Now that now that we have uh, covered your two main topics and we have perfected them, just just really nail these perfections down. I love these. Um, let's yeah. go into some some quick rapid fire. Uh, some some quick rapid rapid fire audience suggestions. Uh, while yeah. we while we wrap up here, so I'll start with one, one or two and a then- piece. I'll start with one, and then Ryan, uh, you can do another one, and then I feel like that'll be enough. And then yeah, it'll can, be enough. Yeah, we can wrap it up after that. So I would like to start um, with a suggestion from uh, Sweet Baby, which is uh, at Burnhounds on Twitter, uh, and they suggested Cars, the franchise. Mm. So <laughs> tits. I mean, you're doing the secret agent thing. You need car tits. Like you need the Bond girl. <laughs> That's, that's I thought it. I thought they made a I thought they made a titty joke in the first movie. Yeah, but Did now they? you need to fulfill the titty promise. Yeah, that yeah, they but, you, but you yeah. need to like you need to m- make it known. Okay, but, yeah. but yeah, we need to make a question. Pretty... Where are they? Because if they're on like the hood of the car, that's the equivalent <laughs> of them being on your nose. But if they're like, hey, under dude, the car, sometimes they just need some nose tits. So. That's- Look, I, I don't care where they put them. Put them on the mirrors, put them on the hood, put them on the back, put them underneath, put them in the seats. You just need car tits. Maybe there's just a really crude, like, drawing of a tit on the headlight. Because that's yeah. the joke that um they made in the movie. So I'm assuming there's a connection there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Flashing the headlights. We need we need car titties. I and the reason I'm this. saying this is because they, they went off the rails with the secret agent thing. A bunch of cars die in the second movie. I don't know if you've noticed. Oh my god, like yeah, a, yeah. A gruesome yeah, torture scene. Just go all out. Dude, if you're gonna go that route, we need the Bond girls. We need those cars. Yeah. So wait, does, does that mean it ends with like Mater and like another car in a bed together? And <laughs> just like... No, Mater has to reveal that he was Trevelyan. He was 006 the whole time. Oh, and there's no. always been his oh, mission no. to kill you know what I've just You know what I've just thought about? What you just it, think it about? Does, it does end with Mater and, and a car girl in the bed together, and the closing line of the film is, Gator done. Oh, and that, no. <laughs> oh Christ. And uh, it would be David Cross's least favorite movie. Let the car fall. <laughs> there's, 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 a flaw, there's a flaw here in the sense that we're not perfecting cars, we're destroying the world, which in a way is kind of... Isn't that, well, isn't that the well, truth? the way I see it is, it's like Lucia said, you know, the, the second movie did a James Bond parody. At its core, it was kind of a spy movie. And have you ever seen a spy movie that didn't have any sex in it? Yeah. Right. I challenge you right. to find one. Um, Agent Cody Banks. Oh, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> duh. Like, what are you talking about? I'm just saying, uh, if you're going to have gruesome torture scenes and, like, 
high casualty counts and you say this is fine for children, then what's wrong with a titty? That's all I'm yeah, saying. We yeah, all got nipples. Yeah. Why can't cars? Yeah, I was yeah, about to sure. say, freaking just turn the headlights into projectors that yep. project yeah, a like, picture they got, of a titty. They got eyes. They got yep. mouths. Why not a nipple? Exactly. I, I, it they have exhaust disbelief. pipes and we all know what that is. No, oh, you know. <laughs> well, I, I actually, I fully support that because I can imagine like he's driving by all of a sudden, like a pair of girls like flash it and it gets into Lightning Queen's face and he just goes, wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I, uh, I think in reality what the Cars franchise really needs is just to stop. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a simplest solution, ain't did, it? Did anyone here see Cars 3? I didn't. I didn't see it. No, I heard but millennials killed Lightning McQueen, and I was just like, "I'm done." Like, I don't even <laughs> want to know what that actually means in context. What, okay, what's funny is that, like, uh, I feel like okay, and I'm not. I'm not defending the decision of this of this director in any way by saying this because he absolutely was at least insinuating this. Um, but a lot of people started to like attack the director for st- for like directly saying that like this car was like a millennial like. Uh, Stereotype? Like, like metaphor, like stereotype. But like he never actually said the word millennial in that interview. It was the the website, the site that published it that started to make all like the millennial connections. Like he mentioned, like the director only said the stuff about the car, like growing up with like a silver spoon in his mouth and all that kind of stuff. He never actually said the word millennial. So you're and saying every- that the director called the car spoiled. And yeah. the, the, the person writing the article was yeah. like, spoiled? Yeah, so like millennials wow. yeah exactly we should all exactly and then and the- then everybody everybody put that on the director saying like the director they're making a cars movie about millennials and it's like no the website said millennials and i don't like i said i'm not saying that the director like didn't at least intend that a little bit because i have no idea i don't know his intentions so like yeah we you know, weren't it, there in the room it could have very well been like a commentary website. Yeah, yeah, we should uh, we should just Let's go and it. burn it down. Right. So Look, um, I gotta say, the director's not totally innocent because regardless of the stupid millennial comment, you know, whatever, I saw some of the ads and it was like sexy panning of the Latina car with like yeah, you know, yeah. Spanish guitars yeah. playing. And I have never been so uncomfortable and I don't know if right. it was the sexualization or the racism. Or like, the lack I just, of car tits. Like even, like God, Latinos, <laughs> my people, me people, mi raza, yeah. like... Even when we're cars, us Latinas have to be like sex objects. Yeah, Literal, yeah. In this case, because she's a car. Like, stop, dude. <laughs> All right. So three way. So we have three things that will be used to perfect cars. One, um, car titties. Mm-hmm. Two, no sexualization of Latinas because that's just bad, no matter how you slice it. Mm-hmm. And three, every ticket to Cars three uh, gives you a code that you can use to uh, host a DDoS uh, against the website <laughs> that posted that. Thing. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I think that would oh, it. And a free a free car that we millennials can then kill and put on Instagram. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Good. All right. Sweet. We did it. Uh, Ryan, what's your suggestion? And then after that, we'll we'll wrap up. All right. My suggestion uh comes from a uh, my friend uh, Kyle, also known as Not Kill on Tumblr, actually inboxed this to me on Tumblr. Um. Well, not so much inbox, more as affronted me with it. Right. Um. Saying I'm sorry for doing this. Always a good start. Okay. But I challenge you to perfect hoodwinked. Hoodwinked. Oh, God. Okay. Hoodwinked. God. Ryan, you're going to have to take the helm for this one because I'm. I, I don't I have, have to the admit, strength. I've only ever seen hoodwinked with the volume off. Uh, yeah, I know. I was going to say, like, the yeah. only time I've ever, like, sat through it was with the volume off while we were making funny humor jokes over it. So, Ryan, it's all you, buddy. Right. Well, 
since it was so long ago and you had the volume off, why don't you have a guess as to what the plot of that movie was based on just memory alone? I th- what I what I personally garnered was the fact that like uh, someone like uh, there was like a murder. I don't know if it was like the grandma or whatever. Like like something happened in the grandma's house and people were just getting like interviewed by the cops about it and they told like their own side of the story. But like everyone's was different and like they mm-hmm. had to like piece together what actually happened, all that kind of stuff. Um, I forget what the result ended up being. That's all I remember of it, really. It was the bunny. So- yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Now I remember because he's Basically, top of the woods. Yeah. Yeah. He's top of the woods now, baby. So um, <laughs> what I would think is looking at that animation style, you know, that oh, God, uh, early yeah. 2000s animation style, something that yeah. I really felt was missing was Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius. <laughs> yes. I feel like sure. I feel like Jimmy Neutron, honestly, he would have been helping the police in this case. Yeah, we, do, he, we just needed we just needed Sheen up in there, you know, be like, Ultra Lord and like, Exactly. <laughs> well that's another good question or good point. Like, why isn't Ultra Lord involved in all these iconic characters? So it's perfectly exactly. like, you have Jimmy is the forensic analyst. Oh god. And then Sheen and Ultra Lord <laughs> Uh, they're like the buddy cops who come in to take down the rabbit when we find out that yeah, he's course. responsible. <laughs> Spoilers for Hoodwink, by the way, retroactively. No, it's fine. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anyone's gonna, it's Hoodwink. Yeah, no one's gonna get up in arms like, you spoiled Hoodwinked on your podcast, I was waiting to watch that with my dad! Like, <laughs> so basically what happens in that movie is, um, there's a big domestic disturbance at the grandma's house. It's obviously Perry Little Riding Hood. Um, and through the stories, they're talking about how they all managed to get there. And for some reason, it's all going back to this dude who's thieving away recipes for some delicious snacks. Right. Um, and, and for some reason, they're like, there was a domestic disturbance here. Let's find out who f- fucked up these snacks, dog. <laughs> and it turns out the person who fucked up these snacks, dog, was the rabbit. Right. Um, and he was top of the woods now, baby. Um, and they had a wonderful, amazing song. So first change, I'd say, well, first include Jimmy Neutron and Ultra <laughs> right, Lord and right. such, but also make it a musical. Right. Okay. So, so I need much more, more of that top of the woods. Yeah. Much more character driven songs. Uh, you know, maybe Sheen can have a song and <laughs> it'll be the worst. I think that already happened in Planet Sheen. It, no. <sighs> Did it happen oh. in Planet Sheen? I remember, I remember there was like a, like a subplot in um, the Attack of the Twonky special where like Sheen just could not sing. And and actually ended up ended up being uh it ended up being plot relevant because the Twonkies like this this I this is so weird in retrospect the Twonkies like evolved by listening to good music because it it was harsh on their ears and it made them really angry so they turned into monsters instead of like the cute little Twonky guys but then like Sheen had like a reverse effect in the sense that because yeah. he was so bad it like put them back de- to evolved them yeah devolved them uh so yeah. I They're... think we can incorporate that into Hoodwinked. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the way it ends is um, the Bunny Man has his amazing song with incredible dance number. Sheen comes in, sings his song, and the bunny slowly reverses an evolution back until he becomes just like a little protozoa. <laughs> Wait, are you telling me the rabbit was a twonky all along? Yes. Holy That shit. is the plot twist that we've been waiting so, for. Like, on a more serious note, what I really think this movie was lacking was focus. Sorry, I love your ideas, by the way. I just thought... No, yeah. I don't think it knew what it wanted to be. It kind of wanted to be a parody of fairy tales in the vein of Shrek. But at the same yeah. time, it wanted to, you know, put a bunch of pop culture references in the vein of Shrek, but not as well done. Um, right. 
that movie's so confusing. They like parody triple X, but like triple X wasn't relevant anymore, you know? (laughs) Right, right. They had stuck more with trying to make fun of fairy tale characters like oh the woodsman isn't a hero he's an idiot the wolf isn't a villain he was stalking her because he's a cop you know if we we had pushed those more i think we've had would have had something pretty funny also the idea of like everyone's versions of events being a little different and seeing the perspective of the other person that's been done a lot in shows and it sometimes has some pretty hilarious results i think the problem was that there weren't enough revelations from that right right it was it was just kind of it was all pretty uh it was all pretty mild. Yeah, it, it wasn't like we we thought when we watched Red's version that the wolf was actually trying to kill her. Like, we didn't really ever think that, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it wasn't like watching the wolf's version made us go, oh my god, he was the good guy all along. Yeah, we kind of were they, like, they yeah, were all like, we figured. They were just like, yeah, this is going to be subversive. They were all equally silly versions of the same silly situation, and like... No one really ended up being against each other very much. Yeah, and I, I think it would have been way more interesting if we had they had played a bit with like the perspective of every character, misunderstandings. You know, there's so much potential there for plot twists and comedy. Like sitcoms right. have done this bit so many times, you know, because it's funny and the gold mine cartoon shows do it too. Um, yeah, but Pudwink didn't really take advantage of that because I'm not sure it knew what it wanted to be. There were places where it thought it was a musical because it has a couple musical numbers, but then yeah, it forgets funny. about that. There's instances where they're like, oh, man, the granny's a badass and can snowboard and shit. But like, that's not really relevant to what's going <laughs> which, on, which is a trope that I'm personally not a fan of, especially oh, yeah, after the Lorax. But that's for a different time. Yeah, so. it, it, it was it was a weak trope. It was relying on the ha ha granny's doing things hilarious yeah. rather than there being any actual like setup or humor to the yeah, revelation yeah. that she was an agent, you know? Yep. Yeah. So Jimmy Neutron. Uh, yeah, Bun- that's... bunnies. Bunnies a twonky. Sheen kills him. That's that's the perfection. That's it. Yeah. That's the All perfection. right. Sweet. <laughs> uh, I'm glad. I'm glad we could do this. Yeah. <laughs> so, sure. Finally, we have the perfect movie. Um, <laughs> all right. So uh, with that, I guess we'll, we'll wrap up now. Uh, thank you so much, uh, Dalton and Lucia, for joining us. It was great having you. We had some. We I had, had some blast. interesting discussions here today, uh, and I'm, I'm very interested to see the reaction to this episode uh but you know uh, as we're wrapping up uh give us one more quick rundown of like where people can find you what you guys have been up to uh, and what they should look out for yes of course so first off we each have twitters they're just uh, our name i'm at dalton broback and She's... i'm at lucia lobos via uh we have a youtube channel knights of bardicry where you can see our original show uh, eyes like yours our original audio drama you can also see the debrief theme song if you'd like to listen to it over and over on loop and wish that this had been picked up as a show and maybe donate to me and i'll do it i have scripts i'll do it you don't it. have to spell that out that's a given who wouldn't want to listen to it uh, <laughs> but also our new youtube channel that will be premiering this week the youtube channel's up but the the video will be coming up the first one this week it's called Annie analysis like animation and analysis Annie analysis and um our first video will be about Hani no Senshi. So if you want to be in it, just make a comment on the channel that says Hani, that you want to see a video about Hani no Senshi. Don't worry if you've never heard about it. It's a really obscure uh, anime. The joke isn't whether or not you know about it. Right. You yeah. will, you'll understand when you yeah, see it. Yeah, you'll understand. I, I've seen a clip of it and I, I can guarantee you'll understand when, when you watch yeah, the video. Yeah. Um, Thank you guys so much, uh, and thank you to all the listeners uh, for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it and you would like to uh, get more people to listen to it and, and keep us afloat. Share that sucker. Yeah, share the show using the hashtag uh, PerfectedCast on a Tumblr and or Twitter. That's where you can like talk about it and uh, get people to listen to it. We actually have a Twitter now 
uh, for the podcast. That is at PerfectedCast. Same thing. Uh, so either yeah. way you want to do that, please do that. Uh, and if you would like to suggest your own uh, audience topics uh, for like some of the normal episodes or for the end of guest episodes, you can also post those using the hashtag PerfectedCast. And if you enjoyed it and you would like to give us a little bit of feedback, uh, be sure to give us a rating uh, and or a review on iTunes. We appreciate seeing those so much. I love reading those. Um, So if you have something to say about the show, whether you just liked it and you would like to express that or you maybe have some uh, feedback that you want to give us, things we can improve on, please let us know. We love seeing them. And the more ratings and reviews we get, uh, the more chances there are for uh, more people to see it. And, you know, the the further we can keep going, all that kind of stuff. It's it's a good cycle. Um, Yeah. Next episode should be up next Tuesday, but if you would like to listen to it a day early, you can actually donate to my Patreon at patreon.com slash knittinggiantbeanies, and if you do that, you can donate any amount, as little as $1 a month, and you will get a day early access to Nothing's Perfect episodes, uh, so you would get to listen to it that Monday ahead of when it is publicly released. So if you'd like to do that, please consider donating. Uh, it helps me a lot, and uh, yeah, I'd, I'd really appreciate it. Um, and with that, I'm Jordan. I'm Ryan. And you can find me at uh, KnittingGB on Twitter. You can find me at ChongoTweet on Twitter or ChongoBlog on Tumblr. Yeah, we have a bunch of different places, but I mainly use Twitter for all the all the fun, casual stuff. But yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. And with that, we'll see you later. Arrivederci. Well, I guess since you're the guest, we'll say that you yeah. won. Uh, I, I resent show being me called up. guys. I prefer to be called your majesty or your grace. <laughs> All right, fine. I guess since your grace is the guest. <laughs> <laughs>